People ask me all the time what to expect for the upcoming season. Will inquiries be up, down? Should I plan for it to be slower, busier? The short answer is that unless we face another pandemic, the new normal is likely to be business as usual. And here's what I mean by that. Go back to what you were dealing with in 2018, 2019. That, that is what it's going to be like for the rest of 23 and throughout 24. That's my best guess at this point with all the information that I have. Basically, your work, what you've got to put a priority on is how you can stand out from the crowd to get enough inquiries from the right kinds of couples, then convert them with excellent sales skills. Sounds simple, right? <laughs> Maybe. So today, I'm going to bring in copywriting ringer and my better half in business and life, Katie Taylor Jacobson, to share with you ways to cut through the noise and connect you with your best buyers. Enjoy the conversation. Own Your Business is a podcast for event professionals who want to grow with proven approaches. I'm Sam Jacobson, a sales, pricing, and copywriting expert in the wedding industry. Throughout my career, I've booked hundreds of events for millions in revenue. I've also led teams in premium and luxury markets. Now I coach people like you with my company, ID Action Consulting. It's not easy to run a business, especially if it's a business of one, because we aren't born knowing everything. Like you, I had experts who showed me the way when I was starting out and when I was ready to level up. I hope this podcast gives you the confidence to own your business. Katie, I'm so excited to talk to you about things related to the website. It's been a little while since we've done an episode on the podcast that talks about website and messaging. So thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. You know, I like geek out over this stuff. So it's great. I love it. That's why I like to have geeks on the podcast because I know that they love this stuff. Thanks for being a geek. I thought you meant tools on the podcast. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I know. I remember when James and Otto and Megan were all talking on her podcast about me being a tool. That was pretty funny. Yeah. Hilarious. Hilarious. Yeah. Well, we're going to talk about how to use messaging as a tool to try and connect with your best buyers. And before we get into that, though, I, I want to talk about and provide a little bit of context here. Um, you know, there's been a lot of chatter over the last few months about where the wedding industry is at. Uh, we participated in a lot of that that conversation. Uh, you know, we had a state of the industry panel. I've done a couple of recent podcast episodes about it. Uh, you know, we we put out some information in our newsletter. It's important because we all need to know what's going on with the lay of the land before we can go through and map out where it is that we are going to head on our route to the destination, whatever that destination for success looks like. And and so when we're going through and we're thinking about that bigger picture, you know, one of the things that we have to understand is where are we at now compared to where we were? And it's hard sometimes to, to know what that looks like. So let's talk a little bit about that first, and then maybe we can dive into the meat of the episode. How does that sound? Yeah, sounds great. Sounds great. Well, you know, I'm curious, what are you seeing in the industry right now when it comes to inquiries and bookings? You know, it's hard to tell. It's all over the place. I, I will tell you that. It's all over the place. I have some clients that I talk to in my one-on-ones and, you know, in our Social and Sway Mastermind, and they're telling me that they're doing great. They're thriving. 23 is better than 22, and 22 was incredible. There are other people that I talk to that are wondering what's going on. How do the 
bottom fall out from my business and and wondering about you know the ripple effects of the pandemic a potential engagement gap you know our weddings are on the decline guest counts are down you know more people are getting back into the wedding industry uh, you know all of those things are true those are all true but they don't account for you know such big swings in the success or, or not of your business and so you know we're all left to really look at where we're at and instead of you know providing uh, an excuse in the explanation of these macro trends but instead look at what we can impact with our own activities and so i think we're really kind of back to business as usual you know when when i first started doing this and 2016, 2017, you know, all the way through really the, you know, 2019, even the first couple of months of 2020 before the pandemic itself actually hit, it was always about how to stand out in a crowded marketplace, right? You remember I gave a presentation at Engage because in the luxury space and, you know, the winter of 2019, that was the thing that was on everybody's mind. So I created a presentation about that. And I think we're back to that, Katie. I really do. I think that, you know, we went from a boom year to a not boom year. I don't think it's a bust year. I just think it's a business as usual year. And that means that it's a competitive market. It's a competitive landscape that everybody's going to have to do everything they can to try and get the kind of couples that they want to feed their business's success. What do you think is making couples like have a hard time choosing their vendors or finding the right fit or feeling confident enough to move forward in it with a vendor what's causing that delay why is it hard to stand out in a crowded marketplace yeah i guess essentially yeah why is it why is it so hard right now to stand out i, I think you know i mean for, from a couple's perspective i think it's because wedding business owners are not very good at setting themselves apart from the competition you know i, I think at the end of the day that's probably one of the big reasons why couples struggle and nobody can do anything about that but you as a business owner i, I remember katie you told me Oh, we, we won't name any names to protect the innocent. I know exactly the story you're about to tell. Yeah, we were you, you were telling me that you were on with one of our clients and doing a, you know, client intake and you had, you know, four hours worth of interviews and you asked him, you know, hey, walk me through what you do differently than other, you know, whatever it is that this guy did. And and he's like, I don't know, we do all the same stuff. There's really nothing different that I do. He said, and, We do the same expletive as everybody else. <laughs> and I said, well, I'm not sure that that's going to be a very compelling headline <laughs> on the one page. So let's dig into that a little bit more. Yeah, it's true though. And we've, we've actually had a couple of different wedding pros who have said that to our copywriting team. Well, I think, I think honestly, most wedding pros have, have sat there when we've talked about competition scratching their head and wondering what the heck they're supposed to tell us. They just don't know. So so that's I think that's one of the big contributors is that a lot mm -hmm. of people can't say why they're different and why they're better than other people. And if you don't know why you're different or better, then you can't communicate that to other people. And so you you can't do it yourself if you're DIYing your marketing or you can't talk to, you know, brand strategy or copywriting company like ours and let them know why you're different and better. And so that doesn't make it to your marketing collateral or your sales collateral. That's that I think is probably a sleeper reason that nobody's really talking about is that mm -hmm. we, we as business owners have a hard time articulating why we're different and better. So that's, that's one thing. Um, 
I, th- I think there's also a few other things from the couple's perspective. You know, it's it's hard to get married. You know, there's a lot of stuff that's going on. You got a lot of people pulling at you, a lot of people providing input and ideas. Um, you know, that's a real challenge working with multiple decision makers who are involved. Uh, I think another thing is that there's just so much out there. You know, there's thousands of photographers and planners and venues in the market. And, you know, there's so much opportunity, but that makes it really hard. It, it, I remember reading in a book called The Paradox of Choice that there's something like 250 cereal brands and, and options in the average cereal aisle of a grocery store. So like you go to the grocery store and you're like, I'm going to get some cereal or, you know, you're, you're going to get some cereal for your kids. And what ends up happening is you get overwhelmed by all the options and you can't make a choice. The same researcher, Barry Schwartz, did a study where he was in a supermarket and he had, you know, jams that he put on one of those, you know, free, free taste um, at the end of the aisle. And uh, he did an experiment with 24 different jams and then six different jams. And what he found is that when there were 24 different jams, they attracted a significantly higher percentage of people to the display. So more people showed up when there was more options that were there. But the the number of people who actually bought something was way lower. L- like, I forget what the numbers were, but like something where I literally had my jaw on the table when I was reading. I couldn't believe it because it was that hard for people to make a choice when there were 24 compared to six. I think I think that's what's going on when it comes to choosing a wedding vendor. I mean, if you get married or you get engaged, you go and look around, you plug something in to Google and up pops, you know, a listing site like The Knot. You go to The Knot. I mean, there are like two pages of quote featured vendors. I mean, how do you choose from even those? There are everybody's got five stars. Everybody's won not just the Knot Best of, but the Knot Best of Hall of Fame. I mean, like it's so filled with noise that it's hard to really hear what it is or, or let alone know what it is that you should be looking for. So, you know, there's almost too much information out there with all the choices that consumers have. Well, you know, I was just thinking as you were explaining that it's probably also what made it so different last year and, you know, maybe even just slightly before that when couples were reaching out and nobody was available. And so they were gobbling up, you know, planners, photographers, videographers at like super top, top, top ticket. They weren't even questioning pricing. They were just saying yes, because they were so grateful that anybody was available. So it's almost like a full swing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they weren't, they weren't choosing the market and interviewing 10 people. They were like, you're available, hired, (laughs) you know, and they were willing to pay your prices. That's some, there's a couple of things that are at play there. One is the scarcity principle. Right when something is so scarce, you're like, "I'll take it. I'll take it now, and I'll pay whatever price I need to to get it." Um, you know, whether that was a wedding vendor in you know 22 or toilet paper in you know March of 2020. <laughs> like, where's my Charmin, and why is this you know generic brand so expensive? Uh, I kid, but but another thing that's at play there is this idea of uh, maximizing versus satisfying. You know, there's a lot of maximizers out there who want to make the best choice and they'll go through and exhaust all the options until they find something. Yeah, you're, you're one. I'm one. You know, I, I'm, I'm not one with some things, but like a hotel room, boy, I'm like, I'll spend three hours making sure that my one night stay in the hotel is going to be the optimal choice for me, which and I'll even when I get there, 
and Katie knows this, uh, I, I am not afraid to go down to the front desk and go, I made a sad choice. I'd like to look at other options. <laughs> I was like, all you hoteliers out there, if Sam Jacobson's coming your way, you better, better just prepare yourselves, prepare your hearts. I'm not rude about it. I'm just very particular. Um, <laughs> one last thing that I want to I want to mention in here: why why it's so hard for couples to choose. Again, we want to look at things from their perspective to try and understand better what we can do to remedy the situation. And that's it. You know, everybody's just kind of skimming sites and you know feeds on social media. And you know, when you're looking at something at you know Mach three with your thumb scrolling through TikTok or Instagram or you know, the website, it, it's, it's really hard. It's really hard to stop and pay attention or to notice why like that one floral bouquet is different than the 16 others that you've seen over the last five minutes as you've been scrolling through a hashtag for, you know, Minnesota floral design, right? I mean, they all start to kind of look the same or, or maybe they're, you know, two or three general styles that you start to notice, but you know, to the untrained eye, it's pretty hard to notice the nuances when you're cruising through at high speeds like people do when they're doing their online research. So th those are just, you know, half a dozen reasons why, but I think it's helpful to know what those are so that we can then try and find solutions to those in, um, you know, an elegant way that's going to be effective. So let's talk more about that. And I'm going to flip this on to you, Katie. And I know you love being the one who's being interviewed rather than the love it and love it. Yeah, bring it on. <laughs> so, so, and the reason why I want to ask you is because this is what you do all day, every day. This is, you know, you lead our team. Uh, you know, right now we have five working on six full time copywriters. And, you know, one of the things that we're always trying to do is figure out ways to, you know, stand out from all the others in the marketplace, how to hook a client and not just every client, but the right kind of client on a web page. And so I, I want to hear a little bit about what it is that we go through as a team, as an approach so that, um, you know, if somebody who's listening to this right now can go through and try and DIY it the best they can make improvements, uh, until, you know, they decide they're going to go out and hire an expert. So how, how do you think most pros try to connect with ideal clients or differentiate themselves on, you know, say their website? Well, I mean, I, I think that a lot of pros try to, you know, put their best work forward as they should. They're like, I'll throw up pictures I think the client would like, um, or I'll write copy that sounds like I'm their best friend. You know, like, hey, girl. <laughs> you know, there's like definitely the friendship vibe that you see. Like, I love, I always joke about pumpkin spice lattes. It's kind of an old joke because it Finally, people are starting to remove that from your, their websites, but you definitely still see a lot of those like, I'm just going to tell them about myself and what we believe and what we do and our approach and our goals and hope that it resonates with them. I also see, oh, Sam. The, Sam. I raised my finger because I'm like, those are two things. I want to be really clear. I like yeah. pumpkin spice lattes is different than we believe because- you and I talk about how we see the, I like pumpkin spice lattes and my golden retriever and I like long walks on the sandy beach outside of Charleston. Th that is typically something we see on the about page or the about snippet on the homepage. Whereas the, we believe, you know, at Katie and Sam's planning company, we believe that you should have a stress-free day. We believe that, 
X, Y, and Z, that's typically on the home page right below the hero image and and thought of as a hook that will get people who land on the site to read it and then differentiate it. So portfolio is one, who who you are as a person is two, and then your mission statement or your manifesto um, is is three. Right. Anything else that, that you see? Well, I mean, when I actually interview my clients and I ask them how they're different, the majority of them say, well, I'm more experienced. That's usually the number one thing. Like, well, I'm more experienced than my competition. You know, I have X years in, you know, X years of, you know, experience in this business or what have you. Um, but everybody's saying that, right? So the same talking points are used on a lot of different people's websites. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I love that you brought that one up because, you know, maybe we'll get into this, but like you've got to ask the so what does that get you question, right? Right. Um, like, not, like, I don't care. You've been in the wedding industry longer than some of the clients we work with have been alive, which is impressive. But what does that mean for the people who hire us? That was rude. That was like <laughs> totally rude. Oh, so if you have too much experience, it's a bad thing. Well, especially when you're like, you're older than whatever, Sam Jacobson. I did remember what I was going to say. Something else that I see on- Yes, please please remove my foot from my mouth. (laughs) Something else that I've seen, um, and I've seen it on templates. And then I've I've actually though seen a lot of wedding pros like kind of keep that copy from a template and they've just like replaced a few things. But they give like the statement of, our couples are, and they give a bunch of descriptions about like what the idea they're like, tell the, they tell the audience what their ideal buyer is. Our, you know, ideal buyers are lovers of travel and, you know, lovers of travel and life or whatever. And, um, and I think that's another way of them trying to find a way to connect to the ideal buyer is by describing who their ideal buyer is. Yeah. I've seen that a few times recently. One other area that I know is a is a common one is is listing the publications that you've been on or the awards that you've won. Um, you know, again, to the untrained eye, th- the fact that you've won the award is good, but it doesn't necessarily distinguish you from you know somebody else. Like one, you know, one blog is different than the other. One publication is different from the other. But really, the point of those is social proof, and social proof in general is just a thing that you have to have on your site. You know. Uh, it may be that that you are working with a very narrow range of clients that is looking for a very specific publication that could help you stand out. But, you know, putting up your badge of being on the Not Hall of Fame or having been on the bride's top planners list, like there were 75 other planners who were on the bride's top planners list or who have that same badge over the years. It could be 200 different planners who have that. And frankly, the person who's looking for a top planner is only looking at top planners. And so that doesn't necessarily single you out. It doesn't make you stand out. It just puts your ante into the game saying, hey, I can I can pony up this level of skill or clout. And so I should be considered along with the other 200 people from the bride's planners list or 350 if you include the Martha Stewart of the Over the Moon and the Harper's Bazaar and all of the people who have ever been named to those lists that have those badges on their site. It's it's important, but it's not going to separate you as much as you think. I, I want you to say that again. 
it's important, but it's not going to separate you as much as you think. Right. We're not saying don't have it on your site. We're just saying it's not going to make you stand out from the other people they are considering. Right. If, like if I'm looking at hiring, um, and I, I did this at Engage in my, my part of the presentation that you and I gave on how to stand out in a crowded marketplace, how to connect with your ideal clients is I showed a picture of Marcy Bloom, Brian Raffinelli, and Natalie Cadet James. And I'm like, they have all won all of the awards. They all charge roughly the same amount. They all have a beautiful portfolio. They all have you know a style that to the untrained eye is probably not that much different, although there are a lot of nuances to it. You know, So if if you're a person getting married and you're looking at inquiring at all three of these people, how do you know which one is different and better than the others? If those are only things that are mentioned, you can't make that distinction. And human beings are designed, our brains are literally wired to look for novelty. We want to know through comparison and contrasting, we know all of the different options, which one is going to be the best one for us, which one is different and better. That's what we're looking for, especially when we get more serious about making a, a decision, a purchase on something. So um, there's a lot of things that are important. We're not saying don't include those. We're just saying don't rely on those as the ways to make you different. And certainly don't put, we all just do the same explicative in a headline. That also <laughs> is not not a winning approach. <laughs> Funny for a good good laugh. And, and I know that he was being you know a, a jokester when he said it, but um, but I think many people don't know. So, you know, that's a, that's a place to start, not knowing, self-awareness. All right. So we know how most pros try to differentiate themselves. What would you recommend if those aren't things to do to differentiate? What would you do to differentiate, to hook a client? I would talk to the reader about what they actually care about which requires you to know what the reader actually cares about, right? So, um, you know, understanding what, I mean, I've talked on other podcasts about buyers' desires and concerns till I'm blue in the face. There's probably several other you could go listen to, but I, I would say, and go listen to them. It's really important that you know what it is that your buyers actually want and need from a service provider like you and that not only do you talk about them, but that you talk about those things on your website using their own language. It's called voice of customer. And when you can reflect back to someone the words that they often use, that your buyers are often using to describe what they want, it's like never in their lives have they felt more seen or heard than you meeting them at this place and joining um, there's a, a famous copywriter, Robert Collier, and he said, join the conversation your buyers are having in their head. That is the most effective way to hook them. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you an example of how I completely failed that as a young business owner. Um, look at the name of our company, ID Action Consulting. I was like, I'm going to be a consultant. Why? Because that was the, the language that I used. And and so I came up with the, the name, ID Action, and then consulting after that. Well, what I found as I got into doing more work in the wedding industry is that people didn't want to hire a consultant. They thought that their company wasn't big enough for that. But what they did hire was a coach. And and so I realized like like when I was just doing coaching and we didn't have a copywriting arm or, you know, a bunch of other services that we offered with our our business that um, you know, having the word consulting in there was not a, a good thing because 
that didn't resonate with anybody. In fact, it actually backfired because people thought that they weren't big enough for consulting to come in and do work for them. So that that's an example. Um, another example, if you go to our website right now, you'll see all sorts of voice of customer on there. Uh, I went through and wrote our website uh, back in the spring. And the reason why I wrote it is because I talk to most of our clients. I, I, I do our group programs. I do the one-on-one. I lead the group coaching. I'm looking at the surveys and that, that we get back. And what I can tell you is that I have a strong sense of voice of customer because I hear it all day, every day. And so that's why you'll see certain words and phrases on our site. It's not because I use them or Katie uses them. It's because that's what you all say to us. I feel like I'm stuck. I'm in a rut. I want to find a way to stop spinning my wheels. I feel like I hit a ceiling. I want to elevate my brand. I'm ready to level up. I, you know, whatever it might be, those words are dropped all over our website. And I fact, I think that our hook is probably written with some of those words too. How could it not be? So when you go through and you think about what you want to put on your website as early as possible, your tagline should include the words that your customers use to describe what they want more than anything else from your company. Those are the two things, their words, their desires, not you, not what you believe, not what awards you've won, not your best work, not your pumpkin spice latte not how many years of experience you have, but what are their biggest desires and how do they talk about it with vendors like you? And if you want more information on that particular part of the this episode, please, after you're done with it, go through and check it out. How to Hook Your Ideal Client is one of our episodes that we did earlier this year, and you can find some more information on that. Um, Katie, I want to go back to something that you said about the the, the thing that they desire most. How, how do you know what that is? Mm. You ask them. So you actually go to your, um, you know, I would always say your best, your best couples. Sam has, has shared this before. That's the, th- the a couple that matches the three Ps or as much as possible anyways. Um, a couple that has a great personality. That's the first P. Had a great, uh, had great uh, a portfolio, something that you would be you know, photos of their wedding or something you would be proud to share on your website, kind of wedding you'd want to work on. And then if they could afford your services, the price. So those are the three Ps. If you have couples who kind of meet two out of those three, that would be considered close to ideal and ask them questions. You know, we send out a survey to, when we're working with a copywriting client, we send out a survey to their past and current couples that you know, most closely match those three Ps and we get their feedback from them. And then we analyze that feedback to understand like what messages are showing up again and again and again in this feedback. And we, you know, make note of those and we make sure that whatever is the one that is mentioned the most, that's the one that's addressed first on the website. And that's one of the best ways to go about getting that information. Mm-hmm. Yeah, getting getting client feedback and just asking people uh, rather than guessing is is uh, certainly the the best way to do it. If if you've done that or you know you, you don't want to do it and you want a second best alternative, and that is just to pay attention to exactly what your clients are telling you when they're talking with you. Just pick it up and write it down. I'm constantly writing notes with quotes around it and underlining certain words. And then when I want to go back and use them, I'm I'm able to pull from that little mini database of uh, comments that I've I've collected over the the weeks and the months. 
So that's one part of what you need to do to stand out in a crowded marketplace, right? That like what your buyer wants to hear from you more than anything else. But there are two other legs that we're going to talk about to this three-legged stool that's going to support your success as you try to stand out in the sea of sameness in this crowded marketplace. So your buyer is absolutely the number one place that you want to start. Um, but you also want to make sure that you're positioning yourself compared to the other brands that you're competing with. Um, so let's talk a little bit about positioning. What does it mean to position your brand at the marketplace? I mean, the most basic way of explaining it is you want to create a separation in the mind of your buyer between you and your competition. You want them to see you when they're comparing apples to apples to apples. You want them to see you as a pineapple. It's figuring out where are the big or small areas where you are providing a different experience or a different product to them. Yeah, I'll give you again, I'll just give you another example since y'all are pretty familiar with our brand. You know, it just didn't happen by accident that that we are into sales pricing and copywriting. This was a niche that we created intentionally. This this is deliberate. You know, I actually have more operation and management experience than I do sales or copywriting experience. Um, but there's a ton of people out there who are talking about it. And frankly, our buyers are not really that interested in. So, you know, I remember one day Katie came home and she's like, why are you so excited? This is like six years ago. And I'm like, cause I'm going to be the pricing expert in the wedding industry. I'm, I already know so much about it and I'm going to learn everything else that there is to know about it. And I'm going to carve out this little niche and be known as that guy who knows everything about pricing. And that was frankly how I made a name for myself. I went around the country speaking at workshops and conferences and on podcasts talking about pricing. Pricing is actually a very small part of what it is that we do for providing services to clients, but that's what we became known for. And it's still what I'm largely known for now. It's what you became known for because it's what people wanted to know. And there was nobody else in the industry who was talking about it in quite the way that you did and in quite the way, you know, and using your words, your ideas, what have you. But you, you know, you were hearing buzz that people wanted to know about it, but there was nobody out there doing it. And so, yeah, you kind of carved that little niche for yourself. And and then what I found to your point is that there weren't that many people who were doing it, even though it was um, really high in demand. And so other people started jumping in. The more I, the deeper I got into what I thought was a niche that I was, you know, kind of by myself. And I found that there were actually a lot of people. So what did I do? I doubled down and I found a niche within the niche and that was buyer psychology something that I've always been interested in, you know, son of two therapists. It's always been, you know, in our, our conversations growing up. Um, I remember sitting around the table, uh, listening to my, my dad and my, my mom in separate households, uh, talk with anonymity protected about their clients, you know, here, like, here's an interesting thing that I heard from a you know patient today, or this is a weird situation. You know, how, how would you handle this as a teenager? You know, th- those. Th- this was part of what I grew up with, and I love thinking about the way that people behaved, and you know, the the psychological perspective of human decision making was something that was um, always a part of who I was. And then I realized if I could apply that to sales and pricing and copywriting, then that was going to be a way that I could further position myself to separate what it was that I did, that we did as a company in the marketplace. There's really nobody else who's focused on the behavioral approach to sales pricing and copywriting as wide or deep as we are as a company that's done on purpose 
you're probably listening to this because that appeals to you. And that's all done by design. We, we have lots of talents, lots of things that we could do or talk about or help you with, but we know that this is the thing that we can position ourselves. Your job is to look around you. To, if you're a photographer or a videographer or a planner or a stationer, you have got to start by identifying what do your clients need the most, and not just the functional, but the emotional and social needs that they have, and then look around at the other people who are charging a premium or you know, maybe are your aspirational um, comp set and, and pick out who they are, what are they putting out there, what kind of messages are they creating, and what can you do to make sure that you're not overlapping uh, or echoing too much of what they're saying, but instead do something different and, and share that difference with people as early as you can in the buyer's journey. So if you're going to go out and try and position yourself, what are you looking at when you're looking at your competition? You know, I just said like messages and things like that, but like, what, like, how do you, how do you even learn what those are? What are you paying attention to when you're looking at a comp set? Well, when I look at a comp set, I, the first thing I, if I'm being honest, the first thing I do is pull up their website and pull up their social media. Um, the way that a buyer processes information is obviously they're going to look at the visual first. So I try to get an understanding of what type of buyer is this brand trying to attract. Um, and so I pay attention to the photos because again, that's what the, 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 the reader is going to do. Then I, I, always, I, I always make a note for myself of what are they trying to sell really? That's always the note that I write for myself because beyond you know, photographs or planning or uh, stationary, there, there usually is something else they're trying to convince the reader of. And so I try to look to see what they're trying to, oftentimes it is, listen, I'm more experienced, you know, so we'll talk right away about the number of years of experience they have. And while that's not a bad thing, there needs to be something more, right? So some people will talk about the ease of their process and I'll make note of that. Some people will talk about personalization of a party and I'll make note of that. Um, so those are the key things I kind of look for is like beyond the product they're selling, what are the other sort of services that are that they're selling? And then how how am I going to go about positioning our client apart from them when it comes to those things? Mm -hmm. All right. So that's two out of the three legs. The third leg that we want to talk about is the actual brand, you, the business owner, the company. What do you what do you stand for? What do you do? What do you offer your clients? And I will I will say that out of those things, most people, like we talked about earlier, are talking about themselves and, you know, surface level things or features of their products or years of experience, you know, stuff that has numbers, frankly, attached to it. But most couples don't really care that much about that. They really don't. They want to know, what does that get me? Why is that important to me? So we'd recommend that you spend most of your time thinking about the values that you have that you want to see in the clients that you work with. That's absolutely important. And then the next thing is to look at the benefits that you offer your clients rather than the things that you do to help meet their needs. It's, it's not about what I do as a sales pricing and copywriting expert. It's about what you get from us. 
that's what we want to focus on. It's not about what I do as a planner. It's about what you get from me as a planner. That's what you want to focus the communication on. Benefits, 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 values, value, values. So you've got this little three-legged stool and it's supported by the, the brand. It's supported by the positioning within the comp set and it's supported by the ideal client's desires and the words that they use to communicate that. You put that all together on the website and it's going to do wonders for your business. It's going to start to connect with and attract the kinds of clients that you want to do business with. I cannot overemphasize how important this is. Even if it's not an inquiry issue that you're struggling with in your business right now, say it's a booking issue, a lot of it could be because you're attracting the wrong kind of person to your inbox and sharing information with them or having a discovery call with them or whatever it might be. You're getting one P, the price, but not the second or the third, the personality or the, the portfolio or project that you want to work on. And so you want to make sure that you're going as far upstream as possible to connect with and convert the right kind of client for your company all the way upstream, all the way. And so that means that while you do this on the website with your images and your copy, you're also going to want to make sure that you're getting the right kind of traffic to your website. And so we, we want to share these kinds of messages, these kinds of values, this kind of voice of customer in areas outside of the website. And that could be like you mentioned earlier, Katie, like social media, like you're, you're going to the comp set social media to see what they're saying. You should also as a business owner, go to your social media and start putting out those messages, those values, the using the words, the voice of customer in the captions, in the, the content that you're sharing, um, could be on blogs as well. You know, you should have blog content that highlights real weddings that look like the kind of real weddings that your ideal clients want to have. Yeah, that will connect with them at the venues that they want to get married at, wearing the dress types with the right silhouette that they are wearing, with the kind of look, feel, and vibe of the party at the time of the year that you're trying to sell. With even a little bit of copy about how they had a similar desire or concern to what most of your couples experience and what you did to meet or exceed their expectations, right? Yeah. I mean, the just a little bit, just a way to introduce, like, here's what this couple wanted. I mean, here's how I helped them get it. Like that right there, boom, you just made it so much more helpful and informative. It's the difference between looking at a, you know, a book full of pictures and a book with words and pictures. You kind of have a better sense. Like even coffee table books are not just photo albums, you guys. They're coffee table books with, you know, an introduction written by somebody about this thing. And then there are photos and there are words underneath or captions at least that are walking you through um, the narrative. This is why one of the recommendations that we make and something you can do right now is go to your portfolio or to your blog with the Real Wedding blog content and on the album cover or the headline of it, whatever it is, whatever is visible, put, don't, you know, don't put the name of the couple on there. Nobody gives a crap about the name of the couple, What they want- Except for the couple. Except for the couple, except for the couple. But what, what they want to know is what time of the year are they getting married? what is the venue or the destination? And then what is the look, feel vibe of that particular party? So if you put out there spring Temecula boho wedding, 
that is going to attract the person who wants that kind of wedding or is planning that kind of wedding and whatever it might be. So if you have eight, 10, 12 galleries in there, you can have three, four, five different types of clients that you would love to work with that, that, you, you know, have the kind of projects that you want to build your portfolio with. And, and the person who is on your site, looking at those album covers can in a glance, in the blink of an eye go, that's me. I'm going to look at that gallery. And now you have attracted the kind of client that is wanting to do the thing that you want more of in your portfolio, because you put that out there for them to see themselves in. So that's just a simple way that you can look at, um, using this approach to hook somebody at, at a different point or a different, a different area. I want to mention one last thing that you can do when you're trying to share these messages to hook your ideal client. And that is in the sales process, you can use all of these messages in the sales process at key points when you're communicating could be with the inquiry response by using words or phrases. Um, it could be in the discovery call where you're asking them questions that will elicit a response for them going, that's exactly what I want. Um, or this is really important to me. And then you can say, oh, good, because I can. I have all sorts of things that will help you get that. Or you could put it in the proposal. In your proposal, you should have competitive advantages that are listed out in your proposal. I'll tell you that right now, this is the one thing that you can do better than anybody else it, because it's different than what anybody else is doing, is write a proposal that lays out very clearly why you are the pineapple because when they're comparing other proposals, other apples to apples to apples, you will be a big fruit basket compared to them. And, and having your competitive advantages, four or five or six of them laid out right beneath your collections, that's going to immediately set you apart and give voice to them that says, this is why I'm different and better. You can tell your fiance why I'm different and better. You can explain to other people who are making the decision why I'm different and better. This will justify a higher price spend on my services because I'm different and better. All of those things are value builders, but legit, I think I've probably seen maybe one or two proposals out of hundreds that I've looked at over the last several years that has competitive advantages listed out. So put it in your proposal and make sure that you get them talking about that instead of which one is cheaper than the other. Because frankly, your proposals all look the same because <laughs> they're the same thing as your website, right? They're, you know, a, we believe a generic statement that's supposed to welcome that is trying to sound like it's personal, but it's really not. Um, you know, it's going to have, uh, about you and your experience and, uh, badges. Uh, it's going to have packages that frankly look the same. It's going to have, you know, some add-ons that you might want to put onto those packages and then maybe talk about next steps, some testimonials, some beautiful photos, boom, Bob's your uncle. That's a typical uh, proposal. Even if you're putting out a custom proposal, it typically looks like that. Trust me, I know. I look at hundreds of them every year. What you can do is you can provide a personalized intro that's literally written to that person and you can add competitive advantages below your collections that lays out very distinctly what it is that you do differently and better. At, at, at the very least, they're going to look and, at and spend more time with your proposal and that's going to be the, the reason that they choose you over other people, even if you're more expensive. All right, Katie, thank you for your insights today. I'm curious, in the conversation, if you had to pull one thing out that you felt like is the first thing that someone listening to this proposal should be doing, 
what would it be? Um, I love what you said about keeping notes on what your clients are saying to you in a discovery call, you know, keeping, you know, little things that they say, little talking points that they make, the way they phrase things, start making note of it. It's like a little voice of customer swipe file, right? And then when you start to see something said repeated in the same way, you know, or similar way, you'll know you're onto something. I love it. That's great. Super easy to do. Gives you an opportunity to apply it in so many different areas. Um, start with that data and and build that swipe file and start putting it into all of the different marketing and sales options that you have. Thanks, Katie, for joining. Really appreciate it. And if you're listening to this and want some more information, go back through, listen to the How to Hook Your Ideal Client episode that Katie and I did uh, earlier this year and check out some of the other you know, website-based episodes that we have, lots of good information and some ways that you can try and DIY your site until you hire a pro to give you a leg up because ultimately that's the best way to separate and stand out from the competition.